0: Hello, and welcome to EQ Above IQ, parenting with emotional intelligence and healing the inner child. My name is Trina Casey, and I'm your host, and thank you for joining me. Today, we're having a discussion about something that came up in a conversation with a few friends of mine and friends I miss dearly. We are in this unprecedented time with all of this separation and all of this Angst and all of this uncertainty. And it's making parenting really difficult to do. I, I've experienced this too. And, you know, many of the tried and true parenting tips that are out there are just not landing in the way that we used to have them land. Why? Because we used to be able to tell our kids if you work hard at school, you can get into college and you can get a good job. Well, what are we telling our kids now? You know, all of those steps that we take in order to solidify ourselves and give ourselves security and a landing for the future have been taken away in a lot of ways. I know people who have been able to pivot and shift. And that is something that I find is a bit of a privilege and particularly a privilege not allotted to people of peak color and BIPOC people. As a mother of a biracial child who is co-parenting, not with the ease that I'd like to or would hope to, and the main reason is that I have a partner who is not a person of color, who has a hard time understanding the perspective of people of color. He can see it on theory, but he can't apply it in an empathetic way. And that's because I find that a lot of people who are not people of color have lived in this bubble of entitlement. And um, I'm not saying they don't have struggles, don't have hard times. Definitely he didn't grow up rich or anything like that, but there's a social entitlement that's embedded into the fabric of American lifestyle. And also globally. It is one of the things that is a byproduct of colonialism. And I wanted to talk about how that has impacted our children in culture and society. Now, in the previous episode, I talked about narcissism and colonialism and how they intersect so clearly. In this episode, um, I might come back to a few points there, but I'm talking about something that is really deeply affecting how our children see themselves. And I'm not just talking about children of color, I'm talking about children of Caucasian people. I was watching a video by a psychologist and therapist and social scientist, Dr. Joy Guru. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but she had a very uh, amazing video on youtube and i advise people to go back and watch it it's about an hour long it was back in 2008 um where she talks about post-traumatic slave syndrome and this term really hits home with what's going on in the world currently because it doesn't affect just one group and a lot of times on a psychological and emotional level we teach our children especially in school you know about slavery and african american people and the struggles and even if you are an ally parent and you have your children surrounded or have african american or black friends in their lives which i really want to promote because this is something that she brings up. She said that this horrible history of America and in the rest of the world, not only affected black people, it affected white people too. And how so? Well, there's something in the brain that has been shut off because of slavery and their acclimation to it and the way that they were taught to embrace it for a very long time it created an entitlement in their mind it also created a lack of empathy and the inability to see other people of color as human that inability to have empathy for people of color has basically stagnated the economy i read that since since slavery was ending and all of the efforts put towards stopping equality. There's been close to $7.5 trillion that have been lost or missed by the economies of the world, and particularly in America. Just opportunities for growth and for it to flourish, while now, instead of being a positive state, the United States is in a major deficit and in debt with people globally. And that is because of a mental disease I call racism. One of the things when I talk to my son about all of this stuff, it's glaringly true because we've had situations where we've had to deal with blatant racism and his father did not react in a way that was protective and that would have been reassuring to our emotional state or being because quite frankly he just didn't see it honest to god he just said i don't know what you're talking about i didn't see it and that's what i'm talking about the inability to see inequalities and injustice as a white person is a very deep-seated problem that allows it to continue on hurting people hurting yourself and hurting future generations. There's a term called anti-racist where, you know, that means you have to proactively put yourself in a position to not only look for, but to fight actively against inequality and racism. And this is something that is very new to people who are not people of color. So it's an extra effort And I always, I had this conversation when someone said, well, it's just already enough work to survive. Well, you know, I agree. And um, especially right now with what we're dealing with, with the pandemic and variant A, B, C, and D and all this stuff. And we haven't had any kind of reprieve for the last three years. I've felt it emotionally. I've felt it economically because obviously my businesses uh, have been slower. So go buy some books (laughs) if you can do that. But we're all in the same boat together in this situation where there's just this collective heaviness and stress and our children are feeling it majorly, majorly. Because like I said earlier, we don't have a clear path to explain to them how to be alive for the future (laughs) so anyway, so uh Dr. Joy de Grey I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to look that up and I apologize for butchering her name but it's spelled D-E-G-R-U-Y so it's definitely French Creole or something she also showed a picture in this video of how the faces looked of children of the lynchings because all of the, she explained the lynchings all started after slavery, emancipation, because what people feared, uh, white people feared retaliation. What does that tell you? That tells you they were very uh, much conscious and aware that what they were doing was not correct. And they feared retribution. So they created the Ku Klux Klan and they went out and tried to stop a problem that didn't really exist because people of color have rarely immobilized with the goal to eradicate, kill or exterminate anybody. And unfortunately that is a very uh, Caucasian way of dealing with problems. And, and, and I wonder what is the goal of that? Well, like I've talked about in previous episodes, you know, the globalization, of trauma one of the things that really impacts that is the feudal european system and that feudal european system had that hierarchy of of the church monarchy and noble and then all of the serfs or aka slaves that did everything they were told now that to me in itself is sort of you know these these people went out and hoarded the rest of the world even if there were people who were there, they hoarded it. And it was such a heinous act. They, you know, people, it was like PTSD. Prisoners who experienced war in Vietnam, they came back from war and they were never the same. Because once you experience trauma, once you murder or you witness murder, There's something in you that goes into a hypervigilant state or freeze or freeze or hot, you know, fight stage to cope with that trauma. So I explained to my son that, you know, the majority of the world is deeply traumatized and really in denial about that. And denial, what they say, denial is not only a river in Egypt. Denial is a clear path to a repetition or repeat of the same problems and mentality, mind state, whatever it is. When you deny something is not there, you sidestep accountability and stepping, I sidestep, sidestepping accountability will not get you the lesson that you needed. And therefore, we've had a very, very long time of repeating the same problem over and over again and it's deeply fear-based. So like those people went out and lynched free slaves because they wanted their 40 acres and a mule. They wanted some rights because these people who did these activities mostly were the serfs, you know, that would be in the medieval times. These were the poorest, poorest of the whites who felt that they weren't getting their fair share. So why would a person of color be able to do better than them? and we seen the, the the massive retaliation and jealousy that comes from when people are industrious and can and get on their feet and then there comes the smear campaign the assassination the put downs and um, just black wall street of for example these people were successful and built their own community built their own banks built everything And all it took was one lie to destroy it all and then even have the U.S. government get involved and use their planes to bomb. Just decimating, it was always looking for an excuse to keep the previous enslaved slaved from passing and creating laws that would immediately incarcerate people of color who were loitering, AKA loitering, minding their own business, stop and frisk. You know, we're talking about these things finally, but they've been around and, you know, rap artists have been talking about it from the beginning of rap. But unfortunately, all of those venues, all of those avenues in which to express this history have been commercialized by the same people who continue to oppress. And that's what I always find funny about it. You know, at the moment, my inner child is aching for some peace. And it's aching to be embraced and held and be, be told it's okay. But I have, unfortunately, one of those people in in that mental state, like so many other people of fear, constantly causing conflict and debacles and self-loathing and self-persecuting and blaming and and, and not able to take accountability for his part in the problem, in the situation. And so what are we to do? How do we explain these things? For me, it's been very much of a challenge co-parenting in that situation because with all my heart, I want my son to love everyone. I want my son to feel embraced by everyone. He is my mocha latte sweet boy. And um <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting choked up a bit. It's been really difficult to explain this time. And so since we don't have these, you know, tried and true, actually they they probably never really worked when you pull back the the lens and perspective. They worked for a certain time because that's what we were gaslit to believe would work. You know, gaslighting is a very, very powerful tool of the wealthy and powerful. And we've seen it in all avenues from newspaper politicians, but movies and entertainment are one of the biggest of all time. You know what I mean? Like I think of minstrel shows where white men went in blackface and they painted the caricature of happy black people dancing and jigging and jiving when in fact that that was not the state of black people at that time they were struggling they were they were slaves they were they were really oppressed but to get everyone on board with that ideology that people of color not just black people were subhuman or not worthy of respect and love they they basically had to characterize them as something else savages That's what they called the Native American savages. When they had one of the most, you know, they had agriculture down. (laughs) They actually helped the pilgrims survive a winter. And then unfortunately they were stabbed in the back and decimated with disease. And then with no, no apology, no reciprocation of help. And all kinds of things. When you think, when you sit back and you think about it and you have to explain this situation to your child, and I want you to, because unfortunately it is a very unpleasant and ugly thing to talk about. But the reason why I encourage this conversation, and it can be done in the way that I'm doing it with you, with love and respect and not necessarily blaming, but just historical facts you give them an opportunity to process this world in an honest way so that they have these tools and the empathy and the self-awareness to change that in the future. You know, what do they say? Children are the future. I believe children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. That's honestly, that's exactly how I feel because like in that picture with the lynching, that child's face was not grimacing. It was like almost joyful. So whatever their parents taught them was so d- deeply embedded in that. The, the picture was a, there was a maybe a 10 year old or a 12 year old and then an eight year old or a 10 year old in the pictures. And they did not, you know, get it. Now you do the same situation. If you showed a puppy, for example, being hung, and burnt, those same people who easily saw a Black man hung, lynched, will grimace, scream, no, 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 you can't do that to the puppy. So that just gives you an idea of like how little value people of color, Black people's lives were during that time. And in many cases, still ours, because those teachings are constantly being perpetuated over and over again and also because there are no counter stories of humanity. I saw a post from a friend about, it was in the first 1800s, it was the first time something called the Negro Kiss or something African-American. It's the first time in cinema history saw two Black people in love kissing. And I distinctly felt, wow, I can't count. On one hand, how many times I've seen this in films where it was not rape, where it was not aggressive, overly kinked out sex. like, just love looking in the eyes, love looking. And I've watched this clip from that time. And it was just like anything that you would see in a romantic comedy. Now, which is mostly led by non-people of color, white people. I sometimes, I say non-people of color because you're not really white, you're peach, we're not really black, we're kind of like brownish, reddish, tinge, it depends on your genetics and your history, your ancestry. But the point is, I use those terms only because that is what's familiar. Um, That is what everybody knows but they actually are terms that i don't really believe in so point is this we have the responsibility as the parents of the future generation to start explaining things in a way to our children that is digestible that is kind that is emotionally intelligent there's nobody that lives right now in this time and age, that has this all figured out. I'm just gonna tell you, it's a strong marketing scam because we're all so desperate to heal. We're all so desperate to heal. At most, you can get a nugget. That's what you can get. So don't, I don't wanna say fall for it, Go into everything that you invest with the knowledge that this is just a guide to your healing. I am a cognitive behavior therapy coach. I am an EQ coach, parenting coach. I am just a guide. I am not a guru. The ideal of the guru is a, just another marketing scheme, in my opinion. There are people who have been enlightened on this journey, but even the Buddha admitted to his own flaws, admitted to his own humanity. All he did is like, and all he says, and like I say, is I have had some major epiphanies on this journey called life. And this is what's been working for me. And this is what I'd like you to do. Cause this is what I'd like to see in the world. That's all that is. We are here to inspire a shift in the consciousness of now. And there's been so many people, I think of Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday just passed, who everybody's out here putting them quotes up. And one of the things I said, if you were posting this quote by Martin Luther King, I hope that you are following that for the, the rest 364 days of the year, because a lot of times we like to jump on that bandwagon and of peace, love, and everything else. It's a programming to thing to do that. Let me look like this right now, today, because I don't wanna look like the other thing. But I'm not practicing those things the rest of the week. So what I'm trying to instill in people is Let's be more emotionally intelligent and self-aware so we can practice those things more often and regularly. We're, never, we're not getting 100% right now, people. This is a generational shift that's happening. Just like it's gotten gradually better since the 1600s and 1400s and everything else with pestilence and medicines and, and, and even equality rights. It's still not there yet. So we, cause we got people who like it the other way. We got people who are, who are comfortable in that trauma who are comfortable in that pain and they want to keep everybody there because they profit from us being in that place. We have to change the profit where it's something that benefits everyone, everyone. So real quick, I'm going to read what I wrote here. I'm making steps. But my motivation drives me right into a wall of supremacy and asleep people. I keep pushing without any emotional support. I keep shifting my mindset and visualize myself on that other end while I have a mentally abusive ex trying to stop me with doubts and debacles. I am heavy and hurting and honestly, no one who should give a damn does. I speak my truth. But what else can I do? You know, I speak my truth and hope for, my hand, for a hand rather than another door slammed in my face. This living shit is hard. But I have a roof over my head, food on the table, and a child that I love and that loves me back. Trying to stay present while I manifest the joy and the security we deserve in a world where people don't understand. Their collective power to change it for all, for the good of all. If we could all wake up to our power, we could replace narcissism with nurturing, greed with gratitude, and division with divinity. But too many people are still in the fog of fear. Emotional intelligence is the sun. So I end this episode with that. I do encourage you and hope you will support me by going to thisreallifebooks.com and checking out the various offerings that I have for children's books, children's clothing and adults' clothing, as well as my coaching services. Go there now. My rates will be increasing. I know. but someone told me that I'm not charging enough. It's really hard for me because I just want to heal people. And I do that because yes, I'd like my bills paid, but I do that because it's honestly the resonance of my heart and spirit that I want things to shift for a very selfish reason. I have my son and 10 generations after him to take care of right now. That's my intention. And I want it to be your intention too. So I do hope you will go and support me. Follow me at TikTok at This Real Life Books. On Facebook, This Real Life Books. And Instagram, This Real Life Books. And I hope you have an amazing blessed day.